Hello and welcome to On the Corner, the official podcast of PitcherList.com. I'm your host, Eric Samolski, joined, still reveling in the championship of a week ago, is uh, Nick Pollock. What is happening? Uh, yeah, this is the weird thing where the only football game I ever care about is Michigan because my sister went there and Eric and I have this aligned. So, yay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the by, the time you hear this podcast, you'll be like, "Oh, that game." Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, whatever. It, it's I feel weird celebrating football, but fine. Yeah, cool. That was awesome. That was great. And uh, we got baseball to talk about now. It's January. Things are um, heating up. It's starting to get the feeling of like, oh wait, baseball is coming. Uh, we're about what a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting at this point. It is uh, so. Yeah, it is weird season out there on on Twitter, too, because now that football regular season is over, you're just seeing a lot of people get back into fantasy baseball content. And so you're just seeing a lot of um, comments out there and that are just like people throwing out ADP discussions, which we're going to do today and people talking about players and subtly you know subtweeting other people talking about players and uh yeah it's uh, we, we oh, see it gosh. we know it you, know. you guys are back here we never left we never left we're grinding always we're so happy that you're here though and uh huge shout out to everyone who's gotten uh, the lifetime uh po pro subscriptions in po plus it's been overwhelming in a way of how many have signed up so really thank you all so much and literally just as i said that someone signed up i'm not even kidding yes um i just looked down and saw another person signed up that is amazing uh, we are going to close them. Um, I don't know quite yet when. I think it's going to be in February, uh, if not sooner. So uh, if you're thinking about it, you're on the fence, you have any questions about me, just send an email. And by the way, PitchCon is next week. It is next Wednesday. I haven't put out an official post, but January 24th through 28th, it's going to be five days this year. PitchList.com slash PitchCon. We have more people than ever. Um, we have like the person... Um, who I don't I don't want to spoil it, but it's the person who is not affiliated with any MLB team, never a player, never like the front office, anything like that. But it's it's, it's absolutely wild that this person is going to join us for PitchCon, mm-hmm. and uh, I cannot wait for that. So be excited! Yeah, um, don't want to say anything that I shouldn't say, but it's going to be pretty cool. Um, so everybody <laughs> uh, should definitely check it out. Oh. And of course, what is it? It's a five-day online baseball conference. It's 55 hours of baseball panels and presentations. It's 100% free. And we're raising $10,000 to defeat ALS to help combat it. Uh, So uh, it's just to raise money. Uh, 100% of it goes to that we don't take anything at PitcherList. It's just come hang out, pitcherlist.com slash pitchcon. And you can win prizes too, just by signing up the Google form. And we'll have all that stuff kind of ready to go, I think, in uh, like later this week or um, a couple of days before the event starts, but it's going to start Wednesday, January 24th at 11 a.m. And it's going to go through the entire weekend for five days. So check it out. Okay. Nice. Got it out uh, of the way. Got it out <laughs> of the way. You got you to plug the stuff at the beginning. Um, you know, definitely keep it locked for all of Nick and my content, which will be coming out um, as well as we get into kind of, you know, the, the heart of fantasy baseball season. Um, it's exciting now. Starting to think about like, things other than pitching as I prep for like doing no. a draft. Um, and I'm like, Oh, where are these hitters going? I should actually, I'm going to, I got to figure that out. Yeah, right. Um, so today what Nick and I are going to do is we're, we're doing some ADP battles. Yeah. Um, we have seven ADP battles. Um, out to the NFBC ADPs from December 1st through today. 
Um, and we took it. We're looking at some pockets of starting pitchers uh, who are going basically around the same point in the draft. So a point where if you are looking for pitching, you might have to decide between these three or four arms. Um, where are Nick and I leaning at this point? Uh, obviously, we're not going to heavily break down all of these pitchers because there's a lot of them. It's trying to just let you know like where we're where we're leaning. If there's a clear favorite in that grouping for us, or if there's a clear fade. Um, in that grouping for us. And I will try to give everybody both um, the updated overall ADP for those pitchers and uh, their starting where they're going in terms of starting pitchers, mm. um, which, as you know, I did by counting and not counting the relievers. Every um, year so we do this. If I, may, if I, if PC, I, I understand, up, but can you just like up, do this for all of us, please? <laughs> it's it's oh, like man. you should be able to do that kind of math, but also maybe I messed it up and I apologize. <laughs> Um, so we have seven battles. Um, we are going to make Nick name each battle. Ooh. Um, and the last time we talked about movies, it led to a <laughs> online argument with uh, Justin Mason and his wife. So we're going to talk about movies again. Um, so people are so out, upset at us for this. It led to. Um, it led and to I've a, yet to find a good argument against it. Yes. Uh, apparently, it, it takes a, place on Christmas Eve that I forgot about. But even that doesn't. It's just like it's it's on the side there. It's like, oh, cool. It's Christmas Eve. OK, OK, yeah. let me go deal with everything. That's why else. he's that's why he's there. Cool. Got it. Yeah, I understand. Um, yes. <laughs> but it led to it led to a um, it led to a, a fun friend and friendly um, online debate, uh, which yeah. are the types of online debates that we should have. Um, so we're going to talk about movies again. And for each of these seven battles, I want you to name them after a movie villain let's say bad guy doesn't have to oh, be gosh. like a traditional villain just a, a character that you consider bad yeah in a movie okay, okay? Mm-hmm. um i'll try to lengthen out the intro for this first battle so you can think about it a little bit um so we're gonna talk about probably your sp ones um so these oh, yeah. are starting pitchers five six seven and eight we're going kevin gossman with an adp of 29 luis castillo with an ADP of 31 overall, Zach Gallen with an ADP of 38 overall, and Pablo Lopez with an ADP of 39 overall. So in 15 team leagues, these are guys you're you're drafting in the third round. Um, is there somebody of this group? First of all, what is this group called? Um, who is this group named after? And is there one pitcher here that you are leaning towards or leaning against? So I was starting to even just call this the the Steve Buscemi tier because um, I just feel like. Steve is always that kind of character, but it's Randall Boggs. Um, that's the Monsters Inc. Um, character wow. he voices because these are monsters, and uh, in your draft, and he's the uh, he's the villain of that one. Um, and I, I mean, I'm the. I keep going back and forth on this. It's not Gosman. It's not Gallon. And I see a lot of people really go aggressively into Gosman. And for me, I just think his fastball gets hit too hard. Um, and he's going to have a whip that is always high. We had the biggest pushback in uh, 2022, saying, "Look, his 124 whip was because of the because of the Babbitt was so high. It's going to come down. It did, but like went from like what 364 to 324 because yeah, he still allows a, a lot of hard contact on that fastball, and that's not going to go away. Um, so I'm I'm a little scared about that, honestly." And I had a 118 whip last year, um, 124 to 128. His walk rate got worse as well. And he had his highest strikeout rate since 2020. I don't really think that's going to get replicated. So I I think that Galsman is getting drafted a little too high for this reason. 
the hit per nine is still bad uh, for being your SP one. And with Gallon, he's a low fastball called strike guy with a curveball and change up underneath. And you try to actually go Blake's on blueprint. It's a bit, it's good. It should work. It's a good defense with Arizona, good win potential. I don't dislike Gallon, um, but I just feel like Castillo and Lopez are just safer in my view. And between Castillo and Lopez, there's a temptation to even say Pablo Lopez, but I'm going to go Castillo. Uh, I think the four-seamer is, he's figured it out, uh, how to utilize it, how to get the most out of it. It's insanely good. And uh, he, I think he had like a 20% swing strike rate on that pitch. Um, last year, I think it was the number one um, swing strike rate four-seamer in baseball. So that's good. And having a slider that's getting better, I actually think can still even get better. Pair with the change of usage that is better now against lefties. Um, I think it all just comes together right now for Castillo. The Mariners, I, I hope that I can say that they win games, but at the very least, like Castillo is like an underrated workhorse in my view. Mm-hmm. And about 220 strikeouts last year, I think can be repeated because of the changes he made to go away from that sinker more so in the four-seamer and really lean four-seamer slider a ton. So I'm, I'm in on Castillo and Lopez, I think is great as well. I think he just gets better every year. Um, his improvements at driveline are very validated. And if you really want to know more about like the way that Pablo Lopez thinks, if you haven't listened to the podcast or watched the YouTube of me breaking down a start with him, you're doing it all wrong because that's like the greatest thing I've done. So do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a great I, time. I think those are also important things. Like as you are looking at a decision like this in your third round, like I do think it's a it's an intriguing insight into the mind of a pitcher to see mm-hmm. if the results you're seeing on the field are um are indicative of an approach right change or or an approach that would kind of like validate yeah. that and I, so right. I think that that's a really interesting component as well um i right now i'm like going back and forth between luis castillo and corbin burns as my sp4 overall so sure. so for me this is i would clearly take castillo of this grouping yeah. um, above anybody else we talked about it a little bit when we when we started your top 300 which was mm-hmm. like 84 years ago yeah um <laughs> but Gosman is a like a little bit of a one pitch pitcher. Oh yeah, it's a splitter. Like, yeah. We don't really talk about it that much, but like for the last two years, and then even you know deeper, it's like the fastball, the four seam, and the slider are not consistent pitches for him at all. The slider has not really been good. I know it, you know, it gets more whiffs than the four seam. The four seam gets no whiffs. Um, the four seam has allowed a double digit barrel rate in each of the last two years. It allowed a twelve point six percent barrel rate last year. Um, and so you're, there's no margin for error. Yeah. And I understand that the surface level stats have been there and I certainly wouldn't, I don't begrudge people drafting Kevin Gossman. If he is like, th- there's, I have him still inside of my top 10. I haven't found a reason to like really drop him that far out. Right. But it, it feels, it feels precarious well, to, to take him over some of these guys, knowing that if that one pitch goes um you could or not even goes but just if he struggles with it for a stretch you could be in for a really poor stretch what uh what happened in 2022 is his splitter strike rate against righties was way higher like 67 percent, and then fell down to 57 percent last year which meant that the four seamer had to do more and that was a 45 percent icr pitch uh this is against right-handers which i say it often if you can't take down right-handers like you're going to see a lot of pitchers defined by how well they perform against right-handing batters. Mm-hmm. If they do well against right-handers, they're above the line of like good enough. If they're only good against lefties, they're below it, right? Because it's um, under half of the batters they'll face. And uh, last year, oh my gosh, 53% ICR against lefties uh, for that four-seamer. 
uh, for Gosman. Um, and again, a 58% strike rate on splitter against lefties, uh, as opposed to the 63% it had. So really what we're seeing is so much reliance on that four-seamer to get those strikes that the splitter isn't getting. And sure, he has good call strike rates. Gosman um, is able to consistently go around like 24% on both righties against lefties with that four-seamer. That's great. But it's a delicate balance, and it's why that whip is going to be high. It's why the hit per nine is going to be high. And seeing those drops in strike rates is why he had a higher walk rate. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I jumped to 7%. It was so low, uh, 4% in 2022. I don't think that that's going to repeat at all either. So, yeah, I, I just think he's going to allow hits again. And the I imagine the put-away rates got much better to allow for that strikeout rate to increase. But, yeah, 26% on the four-seamer last year after 17% in 2022. I just don't think that's a sustainable 31% swing strike rate. Uh, sorry, uh, strikeout rate for Gosman. And that's why I think he's getting drafted as high as he is. So I would move on past that. I put them, I put Gosman in mind, I think, underneath Gallon. So uh, I'd have him last here. I actually, I dropped Gallon out of my top 10 as of right now. Oh, man. Um, and I don't, and I think, I just want to, like, I saw some things that concerned me. I made a change. I still haven't like finalized this top 10 because I just want to make sure that that change wasn't not rash, but like wasn't overly aggressive. Like I think sure. bumping him down made sense. Did I bump him down too far below? Like some of the guys we're going to talk about in the next grouping. The concern for me is the hard hit rate um, was really bad overall. Um, overall for him, not just, you know, um, on a, on particular pitches, so mm-hmm. you know his. If we're using um, ICR, his ICR last year, yeah, was, four seamer and curveball yeah. got destroyed by right-handers. Changeup yes. as well, like everything yeah. I, really did. The ICR yeah. of forty three point nine percent overall. Yeah, that's bad. For him last year it was bad, um, yeah. and a lot of it comes from the curveball. The curveball was was way worse in twenty twenty three than yep. it was in twenty twenty two, and he changed the curveball. So that's, it's not just like, oh, he got worse results. Like he made a concerted effort. He threw the curveball harder. So it, it lost some of the, the overall movement profile because it wasn't as kind of like slow and loopy. We're talking about a mile per hour difference. So it's not like he like drastically changed, but it did change the movement profile of the pitch. Um, I believe he maybe threw a harder curveball to induce more swings and misses because it did do that. But it also, you know, it also gave up a lot more hard contact, gave up, induced a lot fewer ground balls. Um, it wasn't really a pitch that people lifted like continuously, but it wasn't beat into the ground in the same way that it was in 2022. Yeah. So yeah, he struck out more batters on the pitch and then had a better swinging strike rate overall, but he also gave up a lot more hard contact overall. Um, and a lot of the underlying metrics suggest that you know, the 347 ERA was also slightly um, not lucky, but like a little lower than maybe it should have been. And so mm-hmm. maybe you're looking at a 3536 ERA from Gowan next year, which again is like, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. And we know the Diamondbacks are going to be a good team, but I don't, I'm a little concerned about that hard contact rate if I'm drafting him in the third round as my SP1. Yeah, it's a, it's an understandable concern. Um, the way I see it with Gallon is you're absolutely right. The curveball got plenty worse. And if you really look at 22 versus uh, 23, um, those two seasons, 
what I'm really seeing is that his curveball and changeup both against right-handers just was worse. Um, now, as far as strike rates go, as far as ICR rates go, as far as um, swing strike rates go, I mean, it's just pretty much just across the board. And I kind of think it can be, both of them should be better. I remember distinctly, one of the benefits I have here is doing the roundup through the year of like, oh, wait, yeah, I remember like the ebbs and flows of each guy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Gallon, he was really kind of going through different things midseason. Um, he talked about it to Renee Deckert saying that, you know, he was trying to experiment with going upstairs with his four seam, trying to go down with it. He lost his changeup for a moment. He lost his curveball for a moment and really had to fight a bit more through the season than usual. I want to believe that the curveball that came back with the playoffs, like that's who he is. Same with the changeup. And that's more of the kind of guy he is overall. And you're right. He did get lucky. Like XERA has him as a four plus ERA here. And seeing those massive jumps in ICR and declining strike rates too, or is just really not good. Um, not getting that fastball down to right-handers. Uh, you got to do that a little bit with his approach. He's very much of the uh, low called strike rate guy, as opposed to that Blake Snell blueprint, kind of going upstairs and everything else down. Um, I was talking to, I think, a scout about Gallon 2 um, during the World Series who was saying that it's just so hard. Uh, play, players were reporting how difficult it is to see the difference between his fastball and his curve and his change when it's thrown low. Like the tunneling and deception of him is like exceptional for whatever reason, which then explains why he stays low with the fastball. So um, with Gallon, it um, yeah, I, I I get that argument completely. And if you want to avoid, I'm, I'm there for it. Really, uh, I think the defense for Arizona is always going to make ERAs a little bit better for him. And sure. also, it's a good win situation. He's a workhorse at this point, and there's something just lovely, consistent about him that I think it's still pretty safe and he's going to have those ebbs and flows, but I think there's, he's going to be more than like a 370 array or a, a, a 115 whip, you know, 24% strikeout guy. Like he's always been 26% higher strikeout rates. I think that's still consistent. Mm-hmm. I think he's still going to be like a 110 ish whip, um, you know, around 350, if not three to 350 array. Like, I think that's very, very much possible. Yeah. And, and again, I want to make like when I dropped him out of the top 10, it was barely. It yeah. wasn't like I'm fading him or, or <laughs> I can see it. Like, I have him at eight or nine or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and he, and he will, t- we'll, you know what? As they say in the corporate world, we'll put a pin in that and we'll circle back <laughs> because I think it'll be connected to uh, some of the, the guys we talk about next. Um, so our second ADP battle, um, George Kirby. Uh, going off the board with an ADP of 40, he's SP9. Aaron Nola going off the board 49, um, he's SP11. And Tarek Skubal going off the board um, an ADP of 50, he's SP12. Um, I put these three together because I think that there's one guy who you and I both feel like maybe doesn't belong um, with the other two, but we'll see where where you're at on that. After you... Name this tier. This is going to be Johnny from Karate Kid. Oh, but he's, <laughs> it, now he's not even a bad guy. He's got his right, show. that's yeah. exactly why. Because a lot of people are avoiding some of these and like, well, now you know he's going to be loved instead. Yeah. Um, I love Kirby here. Uh, it's actually mm-hmm. funny. I remember doing the initial top uh, 200 with you. And just, I thought that like Kirby was going to be the guy that goes around like 14 or 15 or something. And I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to, put him at like eight or something. I thought I was ridiculous. And that's kind of where he is now, right? Like he's, he's really pushed up there. And for me, I just think that Kirby's skill set, 
uh, is so good that and can be better. And Kirby is very much of a command artist that if we just say, hey, Kirby, um, your four seamer is just a little too much inside the zone. Uh, it does not get any called strikes. It has the highest swing strike rate, or I think the second highest underneath Castillo, oddly enough. Um, and it gets no called strikes because it's either too hittable or not hittable at all. And you just don't need to always throw that strike. I know that you want to not walk a single batter, but also it's okay. It's fine. We're going to get through this. And I also believe that Kirby is going to improve on his secondaries. Um, there's so much opportunity, I think, for a guy like him. And uh, we see this constantly of guys are not just who they are the first season, not who they are the second season. Um, I think Kirby's just ready to soar and he's ready to be a workhorse as well. I mean, he has uh, all the easy answers to a workload because he's that efficient, doesn't walk any batters. Uh, so, yeah, I just see a monster and waiting in George Kirby. I like it. Um, I I have him and Scooble ranked pretty closely right now, so I'm really? curious your thoughts oh, on, on Scooble. Um, I don't want to buy into the small sample size of, and this wasn't a really small sample size of Scooble last year. It was was not a full year, but you know what I mean? I don't want to buy into it. I try not to buy into it too much, um, but I just really like a lot of the things that I saw. Um, you've always been in on Kirby, which has me like, needing i have like an asterisk literally right next to him on the rankings to like to to dig back in um a couple of the things i really liked which i want to dig back in on um is some of the changes that he made in going into 2023 which were um using the sinker a lot more um and using the fastball a little bit less um which added um a little more swing and miss on the four seam because i think he was using it uh, more in two strike counts having people not sit on it um as much uh i also like the inclusion of the slider more in 2023 which he also then used more as the season went on um and was a a really strong pitch for him in the second half of the year it had a 13.1 percent swing strike rate in the second half of the year um that slider and i know you know we've talked about more consistent secondaries for almost all of these Mariners pitchers. Um, but I do, I do think that that's, that was a better version that made Kirby a better version in 2023 than we saw in 2022. And I don't think it's crazy to expect continued progress from him. Um, again, I think also he added a splitter in the second half of the year, which I have on my like asterisks, like need to look into a little bit more because um, it's on Alex Chamberlain's pitch leaderboard that he threw the splitter 11% of the time in the second half of the year. It had a 17.4% swing strike rate on the pitch and a 2.49 defense independent ERA. So I need to break, I need to like watch a little bit more video on that and see what's actually going on behind that splitter. Dig in on the, you know, all the stuff on the pitcher list um tools you know the the kind of the pitches tool um and really kind of see what's going on there because i think with that slider um with the with the use of the fastball more in two strike counts to get more swinging strikes the sliders increased performance the potential of this splitter if i dig into it more i could easily see kirby up inside my top 10 um over maybe even somebody like gallon May, uh, yeah, I, I think I have Kirby above Gallon right now because I think it's just too good of a heater. And I do believe that he's going to just improve those secondaries, as you mentioned, again. Um, 
I I have my worries about Tarek Skubal. And I actually broke down Nola just the other day. I uh, hit on Nola very quickly. Um, four seamer actually has really good shape to it. Uh, outside of, I mean, he doesn't have good vert, but he has amazing VA, amazing extension. Um, and I do wonder if he should be getting that thing upstairs. Uh, he doesn't. He relies on it being a horizontal movement pitch, and it's just not. It's just not working out for him at all. It got destroyed, and that's the the crux of everything to me. Um, the sinker is fine. You can go in and out. That's all good. He has all these tools to get right handers out, and he just struggled against them. And I wonder if that four seamer going upstairs is the answer. And that's kind of weird to say. And that's not really what I think Nola will do. But um, there's there's that path to me of him being much better. Is it going to be so much better than like a four or five ERA? I don't know. And he had a 1.5 home run per nine. He's saying it go upstairs. That should get you know a lot more home runs. No, that's that's why they're able to hit it because it's not it's lower when it should be higher. Um, that means that those home runs turn into more flyouts and everything. But I, yeah, I wonder if he's going to do that. Uh, and it's a good situation and good safety of the situation of, um, you know, innings every single year and uh, high win potential, all that fun stuff. Um, but Scooble, I think, is going to be underneath all both of these. Noel is going to be like around, I think, 15 or 16. And I think I feel like I keep pushing back Scooble because I don't know how much I believe in the four seamer. The shape and everything of it is just not good. I, I don't know what to say. Like, it's an it was, I mean, the, the velocity bump mean, was a huge it was part of it, other it guys throw 95 96 and have like but you know like a 6.2 extension is not good it, his VAA is bad it is steep um his IVB is pedestrian at 15 it's not like it's 16 17 or something like 15 we go oh okay I guess uh I'm kind of weirded out by it because I mean, it was a 15% swing strike rate against right-handers. He wasn't absurdly good at getting it elevated or so. Makes me wonder if a lot of this stuff for Tarek Skubal was because of the opponent. Um, I mean, Kansas City, Oakland, the Angels, the White Sox twice, the Yankees, the Cubs, the Guardians. Like, there's a lot of the Giants, the Royals. There's not many very tough opponents here. Uh and I don't know, it just kind of weirds me out of like, huh, then you have a slider that's really like a cutter and not really a true slider that you want it to be. So it's not very effective against lefties. And the big thing really, I mean, yes, the forcing where we say, cool, it's like a hundredth percentile strike rate and plus percentage and success rate and all that kind of stuff. Great. Um, and it allowed eight fewer hits than it should for whatever it's worth, but appeal V liked it at 519. But the changeup is really like this, this, the crown jewel. Um, 46% O swing on that, a near 70% strike rate, but a 41% CSW with a 29% swing strike. This is against righties, of course, which is what really matters here for Scooble. So he, doesn't, mm-hmm. he didn't throw a single changeup against the lefty. Uh, that's amazing. And I hope that sticks around. But if you're telling me that like Tarek Scooble is a fastball changeup guy with a middling slider at the moment that could get better but really it's like a cutter it's movement profile it's not really like exciting um i don't know if that's good enough uh for me to lean into where it's the fastball shape and everything is not elite and it's not really i like i see these numbers on this fastball because yeah but it's a smaller sample of it and it doesn't really add up properly i'm a little weirded out by Tarek Scoobal at the moment so because I have what I assign is bigger risk here, 
I'm going to move away from Scooble and favor Nola and Kirby here. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm, I have to go Scooble over Noah. Noah. Yeah. Um, Kirby to me is the, is the one, um, I think as we're talking about it more, I had him ranked like one spot higher than Scooble. I could see that easily being four or five spots higher by the time I finalize the top 100. But to me, Noah, I, I just have worries. Um, I don't think the fastball is particularly good. Um, I know you like the shape of it. I'm just talking about in terms of like the the results and the the usage. Oh yeah, no, it, it was. Hor- um, I think it was like 53% ICR to right-handers last year. We talked <laughs> about so this bad. when we were watching the Phillies playoff game. It's like he has 18th percentile arm side location on his sinker. Um, would love it if you throw that inside your righties. So, so yes. More. So to correct that though. I he went to forty percent inside location to right-handers with the sinker, and then does front hip to lefties. Yes, but for I still think he and he did he did improve it more as the year went on. But I felt like when we were watching that game together, yeah. there were moments where you were like, and I remember because we were like, we should just jam him inside, and then he hit somebody in the hip with an inside sinker, and we're like, oh okay, maybe that's why you don't do it. <laughs> um, but but I do really think like. We talked a little bit about this when we did the top 300 is like, okay, if Noah signs with a new team, yeah. if it's somebody that optimizes his pitch mix a little bit more, if there's a better home park environment, could I see moving Noah up, you know, from like, you know, 15, 16, 17 to like 12, 13? Like, sure. I, I have Noah 17th right okay, now. Okay, that's fine. Um, which I don't think is crazy, but right no. now the market is him as SP 11 drafted inside the top 50. Um, and I can't do it. If I went into a season in a 12 team league and he was my top starter, I would be, I think I'd be disappointed in how I drafted. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I mean, he's my SP two. Like uh, he would, he's sorry. He is an SP two to me. Mm-hmm. Um, SP two is either Cole or Strider. I can't decide yet. <laughs> I do this every year now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, that's it. I'm glad. I'm glad we agreed on that, um, and hopefully we have more agreements after this break. Battle number three. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. The way you battle, just yeah. You Welcome. Get, it gets Welcome. the heart, the heart, the blood flowing in the veins, the heart pumping. You know, um, <laughs> ADP sixty overall, starting pitcher fifteen, Framber Valdez. Um, ADP sixty one. Starting pitcher 16, Blake Snell, ADP 63, starting pitcher 18, Max Freed. Um, what is this tier called? And then tell me the clear favorite you have in this yeah. tier because I know who it is. Right. Um, this tier, uh, it's so funny. I'm like trying to think of villains and I can't just innately do it. So I need to think of random movies and then go, the okay, wait, who is the villain in that film? Right. Uh, I'm going to go with Agent Smith because you don't know what's real or not. Um, and uh, it's a smell. Uh, just kidding. It's not the smell. It's uh, it's Max Free is the clear one here. Uh, and I understand why he's in NFBC in particular is a lot more aggressive against injury risks in general. Just because volume is more important in those 15 team leagues than say your 12s. Um, and for us, Freed is such a I, I, breaking down Snell um, for that Atlanta rotation article is really fun because I really did notice just 
The four-seamer is a cutter. It is a cutter inside to right-handers, and it does such a good job of limiting hard contact. And then he has a sinker that just destroys lefties, guess what, inside, and it's so good. Um, and then the changeup woke up to be really good as a weapon against right-handers, and then the curveball and the slider are just there against left-handers. It's like, oh yeah, this is it, done. And he commands them so well. Uh, he just knows exactly how to do that. I love it. It's great. And it's why he consistently beats his whatever numbers you want that predict him to be worse because the, a lot of these things don't really focus on command and being a command pitcher. And there was actually a tweet that I've been wanting to say for a while and I, I don't remember who it was, but it's just, you know, we don't give enough credit to command pitchers because I understand why there's so much noise. It's attached to locations, uh, uh, metrics as opposed to uh, stuff metrics makes all the sense. Um, it's less consistent. That doesn't mean that there aren't certain guys that we go, you are not good at command and that you are good at command. Mm-hmm. Like there are extremes of which that we can kind of treat not as noise, I think. And free to me is certainly one of those because it's just consistently like, yeah, he puts the thing where he wants to put it and it's great. And then of course you throw in these thrown for Atlanta, which is one of the best situations you can be in. So yeah, he's clearly the one here. Um, I'm actually curious between Framber and Snell where you are first before I say between them where I am. Um, it's Snell for me. I, I'm I'm souring on Framber a little bit. Um, I have him 30th in my starting pitcher rankings as of this moment. Um, and maybe it's that's too harsh. Uh, but I... The more I the more I just dig into Framber, the more I, I think that this price right now of him being the fifteenth starting pitcher off the board is a little it's a little crazy to me. Um, you know, I, the the PLV grades don't like him. Cool, fine. I, you, that may not matter to you. Thirty nine point one percent ICR, pretty average. Not not terrible. Not great. Uh, 28.1% CSW, not great. Um, the sinker was pretty bad in the second half of the year. Um, like it, and he's still throwing it 50% of the time. Um, and I understand that like, he is not a, like he is a curveball pitcher, right? Like that is his bread and butter. Um, and we're, you know, the sinker is kind of like setting that up in a sense, but we know that he doesn't miss bats with it. And it was giving up a lot of hard contact in the second half of the year uh, and giving up far fewer ground balls. Um, Curveball still like really good pitch. And the changeup was is solid. Fine. Like was actually better in the second half of the year than it was in the start of the year. There's nothing wrong with Framber. I don't I'm not against him. For me, I just don't see another level that makes me want to put him in inside of my top 20 right now. And perhaps my ranking of 30 is too harsh and I'll move him to like the second half of the 20s. Um, but I, I just think that there's clearly way more upside with Freed. And we've talked a lot at the beginning of like, I'm leaning into the risk a little bit. If with with starting pitching because there's so few there are just fewer top tier options based on mm-hmm. you know the guys who are injured or not you know not performing or you know going to be back in the summer or not or not at all that like guys like Freed who the only issue I have with them is is he going to throw 110 innings is he going to throw 120 is he going to throw 80 like where, I don't know where does he go it's like 
I'll worry about that later because now that you're you're outside of the top ten guys, like it's just crapshoots with everybody. It's young guys with potential upside. It's you know a guy like Snell where you're maybe paying for a career year, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take somebody like Freed who has done it every time he's been on the mound, and I trust the the caliber of the arm and the quality of the pitcher. And if I get 130 innings out of him, I, it's a slam dunk pick at that spot. Yeah, no, I understand that. Um, man, I go back and forth about uh, Framber and both Snell. Um, I mean, obviously the the Jade and Midside are really like they're not going to allow hard contact because they just don't earn enough strikes to, uh, and that's okay. I mean. <laughs> ish <laughs> like he gets a ton of swing strikes on it right 25 percent on the curveball the righties and uh sliders get 22 percent, but just a 47 percent strike rate this year on that slider uh to right handers i mean that can't that can't be the case in previous years that was 60 plus percent and he still had those swing strike rate numbers that you want and that needs to be fixed and like it was so frustrating watching that this year um but uh and the four seamer got crushed by right handers it was just that this changeup showed up and this changeup was better than ever. I mean, dramatically so. I mean, started throwing at 22% against righties. And I used to joke that this was the thing that, please stop throwing this changeup. It's hurting you, uh, Snell. Well, it wasn't anymore. Uh, just a 26% ICR with a 66% strike rate. It was everything he ever wanted. Um, and it's it really saved his season um, by, by having that pitch just all of a sudden wake up for him. So... I don't know if that's really going to again. Then you have the very long history of Snell's volatility of just not sure. being anything and then all of a sudden showing up. And I understand if you just want to sit back and close your eyes and lock him in every single day and that's that and you know put your hands together like what a job well done. <laughs> but my gosh, that's not how we work as fantasy managers. And yeah. You can say to yourself, oh, no, he's going to come back again. And it's May 23rd. And you're looking at like a five, four year array or something that he has so far. And you're just, I don't want that life, Eric. That's not no, a full nobody, life. Nobody you know? wants that life. And he didn't. Nobody wants and, that life. Uh, and, and look, I'm the first person to tell you he's a nibbler. He's someone mm-hmm. who doesn't give in. He also, against lefties, which should be the the people that he destroys all the time, right? Should be the batters that this is like the easy stuff. I'm you know, I have the best slider in, in curveball, right? Slider had a 43% strike rate, which is, of course, zeroth percentile. Not a single pitch was over a 60% strike rate. And it's, I can I can say it's by design all I want, but man, that's rough. Uh, the curveball was so good at, at not allowing hard contact, but the others were still, when they were hit, they were hit. And I, it's, I don't know. It all seems too precarious to me. Uh, he towed the line so n- nicely, um, and I, I really think it's a big risk. While Framber's really safe, he's just super safe, mm-hmm. and I don't blame anyone going after that. Um, I can talk a ton about like the changeup and the curveball, and um, really how I, the sinker annoys me. I just want him to throw that cutter that he, yeah, he allowed some extra damage on than he wanted to against righties, but really just throw it against righties, please. Maybe just treat that like a slider and then add a cutter that's more of a cut that goes higher up. Um, because you can't just pummel that or just just uh, shove that sinker over the plate forever. But yeah, he's gonna be fine. He's gonna be good, and uh, it's safer to me than Snell. So I would rather have Framber than than Snell. But maybe I, I'm not drafting either in twelve teamers. I don't think I'm gonna get either of these guys based on where they're going. I have Snell twenty fourth right now in start among starting pitchers. Um, 
and like that's below a like a bradish logan gilbert yamamoto grouping um that i at the moment feel pretty good about keeping him below them um and we'll see like here's where i get with framber so in a you're taking framber over chris sale yes i don't i don't know that i am oh i am and and i get and i i think at this point i understand i think it depends on how you're building your roster framber's safety i would will never argue framber way safer than chris sale um let's go through all the things sale was better at last year despite having worse surface level stats uh plv liked his average pitches more than framber's um if you go by his quality pitch metrics on pitcher list um snell threw more quality pitches snell threw fewer bad pitches they had the an identical whip uh Sale had a higher. Sorry, say, I think I might have said Snell before. I'm in Sale. Oh, this is all Sale and, and get out of here, Snell. Uh, Sale had a higher strikeout rate. Sale had a lower walk rate. So Sale had a better K minus walk rate. Sure. Sale had a better swinging strike rate. He had a better Sierra. He had a better CSW. He had a lower ICR. Um, and that was all while we're talking about the fact that he struggled with his command of the fastball yeah. and the fastball got hit a lot and whatever. Mm-hmm. So in a bad Chris Sale year, he was better at most things than Framber Valdez was. I have a question for so, you. Framber has the safety, but it depends if you're if you're willing to swing for your upside. And I I have them one spot apart right now and I have mm-hmm. Sale one spot higher. And I will just say that it like it depends on how I drafted previously. Um and I'm probably I don't have to take Sale before Framber because he's going so far after him. My point just being, if the only reason I'm putting Framber above Sale is safety, I'll I'll just wait and I'll pick somebody well, else, and then I know that I'll get. I it's get not sale just later. safety though. Um, and you're gonna say you're gonna think that that's why I'm asking this question, which is who's gonna have more innings next year? <laughs> yeah, Framber. Um, Framber. And who's gonna throw more starts? Because well, it's Framber. So who's Framber. gonna have more wins? It's Framber. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Oh no, I think it's good. I, I think it's a pretty sure we don't know. So, but normally I would say are very much normally I would say Framber. the probability suggests Framber. Yes. But I don't think it's crazy that if Sale makes twenty starts on the Braves, that he wins or yeah, wins twelve games. <laughs> like no, no come I, on. The, the I think the Braves are going to be an incredibly good team, and I think I'm if not, Sale not, goes, I'm not pushing back about that, but I think Framber is still going more innings per game. I no, no, no. I I think you're right that the probability suggests Framber is okay. going to win more games. I just okay, don't that's think all, that's all I'm going for though. Um, yeah. Who's going to have more total strikeouts? Sale. Framber had two hundred oh, no, last year and then 198 the year before. But but here's but here's the the counter argument to that. Yeah. Why won't Sale? Why wouldn't? Why is the answer not sale? Oh, I'm asking you that. Well, because he's he's gonna get hurt. Sure. Yeah. Which means I'm gonna replace him and his production with somebody else. Right. And if I'm so this is a, that, this is what I'm I want to get that allows the yeah. I, the IL. Right. I put him on the IL. I put somebody else in that spot. Sure. If it's not, if it's NFPC, maybe he's on my bench. If it's a longer term injury, maybe I cut him. Let's just assume, for the purposes of this argument, it's you know something that I'm not cutting him. Otherwise. Yeah. 
the argument is dumb and obviously Framber is the answer for everything. Yeah. But if I'm taking Chris Sale's baseline stats and I'm taking eight starts of a waiver wire starting pitcher of my choice, now I don't know that the clear answer is Framber for wins and the clear answer is Framber for strikeouts. What I would argue then is uh, then it's clearly Framber for whip and ERA if you're doing that combination. Mm. Fair. Right. So, so then, yeah, so I'm then I'm also going to yeah. say that even waiver wire plus sale, I think still going to likely be more wins for Framber. But I mean, th- this is, this is where I'm going with that. Like I I'm very much with you on the argument of like how overrated volume is. Mm-hmm. I, I, I preach this constantly. It's why Toby's exists. Why I don't draft them. That's why the whole thing is. However, I wouldn't consider Framber one because of, 200 strikeouts because of his whip even though last year like with the icr that worries me and all that kind of stuff was like a 113 whip like it's not this 120 125 stuff that's beneficial to you and i also think the era isn't gonna be like four it could be closer to four than i want it to be um but the wins and the strikeouts that are like hey you get this thing and that's really there's something to be said about that where I'm not in disagreement with you about like loving to go after sale. I think actually I'm still going to be more in than the consensus on sale with you. Uh, There is still a lot of risk about production quality that we don't quite know about. You've convinced me more about the, uh, uh, the mentality of Mm -hmm. switching from Boston to Atlanta is going to get the most out of sale than we've had for a while, as far as focus and uh, energy for it. Um, I can't quite say that. All right, that means that we're going to get like essentially a stud when he does pitch. No, and uh, and your point is right. If I if I am replacing Sale with a waiver wire arm, then most likely my ratios are hurt, which which counters the argument of saying, well, I just add strikeouts and right. potential wins or or whatever. Um, I still think that w- while you have convinced me, and I will certainly move Framber up. I, it's going to be nowhere near SP15. Oh, God. Me. No, 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 um, no. Oh, and I boy. Will, I will not be no, drafting. It's funny because, like, the next tier, I think I have three of these oh, yeah. above them. Like <laughs> we, bo- we both do. We both do. Yeah. Um, and even, like, the, four, the, the one after. Like, yeah. <laughs> what if I picked up Chris Sale and then when he gets hurt, I just add Cole Reagan's on the way? Yeah, right. There the you go. Just follow yeah. pitcher list through the year and don't pick up yeah. Chase Silseth. Pick up Cole Reagan's. Ooh. Uh, ooh. We'll get no, to I mean, the uh, also did well, and of course, did. unfortunately, it wasn't hurt, and that's yeah. in the most tragic way. So, and yes, yeah, so uh, I'm just messing around with that common question. But who are we talking about in the Fortia? Well, we're gonna let you know. These are really fun guys. After this break, we're back for battle number four. This is the fun one uh, for Nick and I. We got Grayson Rodriguez, ADP of 69, starting pitcher 20. We've got Kodai Senga, ADP of 70. Starting pitcher 21. We've got Yuri Perez, ADP of 78. Starting pitcher number 22. And Bobby Miller, ADP of 83. Starting pitcher number 23. Um, you and I both think that one of these things is not like the other. Uh, but tell me what you're naming this tier. And then tell me uh, who sticks out like a sore thumb here. This is the syndrome tier. Because he was the youngin who then became the villain, right? Mm. Uh, he was the young kid that ignored Mr. Incredible and told him, like, kid, you can't be anything. Uh, so, big animated movie fan right here. What's that? 
I said big animated movie fan. We got a lot of. Is that what I'm doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. I did Monsters Inc. before. Well, they yeah. have like the more traditional villains, right? That's true. That is true. That is true. I don't know. I mean, I should do like all the Bond villains. No, it's lovely. Keep it going. Yeah, or like Batman or something. Right. That's what villains are. Okay. Uh, <laughs> only positive heroes for me. Um, I think is the one that sticks out. Uh, yeah. And I understand why, for NFBC purposes, again, why like someone like Senga gets pushed up volume through the entire year, tons of strikeouts, hard to find that consistent strikeouts. I think it wins too. I get it. Um, I think our concerns, uh, which, you know, I mean, there's a lot of helium about like, hey, the final, I believe, four months of Senga was much better. There was adaptations to the majors involved and you get used to the ball and now he's here and he's doing good things. I just don't think his fastball and his cutter are that good. Um, and it's really the ghost fork that gets all the attention. It's still like a 55% strike rate pitch. And uh, without like a really good, like, okay, cool. Here's my other thing that's going to get you out pitch. Is the cutter really that good? I don't think so. Uh, I think the four seamer gets hit too hard. And that doesn't really add up to me. So I'm going to be a little bit lower on Senga than you see, I think, others that are more for 15-teamer focused. Because, I mean, I understand there is, like, legitimate um, strikeout, you know, that you're going to get. You're going to get a ton of strikeouts from Senga, and there's hope that he improves on the whip for the full season and is, like, a 3-5 ERA guy and all that kind of stuff. I totally get it. Um, I just, yeah, weirds me out. So then you have the other three. You got Yuri, you got Grayson, you got Bobby Miller. My heart says it's Bobby Miller um, Mm. just because I don't understand the Dodgers. I Actually, this is the weirdest thing I'm going to say on this. I've been talking about how development, like you trust the Dodgers, you trust the Astros, you trust the Rays. And yet, with Ryan Pepio, with Walker Bueller, with Bobby Miller, for some reason, like, yeah, no, we're going to go low fastballs. We're mm-hmm. not going to go upstairs with this. I was actually really shocked about this. I was looking at Walker Bueller, and I, I know we're going to talk about him in a second, but like, this is the same kind of conversation. With Bueller in 2021 and 2022, I remember having a feeling of cool. He has a really good fastball, but like, huh, it doesn't get really that many swing strikes. It must be like the secondaries to get the stuff. Like, I don't quite understand how this all works and everything. Oh, he just gets his outs and it's effective. Okay. No, he has a really good overpowering four seamer. He just doesn't use it upstairs. He just doesn't. And, and that's why he has lower swing strike rates. And I just go, what are you doing? Like, I really hope coming back from Tommy John, Bueller's like, oh, no way. I have all the good pitch shaped things. I'm going to do this. And Bobby Miller has that on his, you know, 100 mile per hour fastball. He also has horizontal movement on it. And yeah, he should be throwing this thing upstairs, not low. Why is it low? Stop this. Stop. And also he has a slider, which is ridiculous. And he throws it too far um, glove side. Now, what's kind of interesting. I see this a lot where we don't see his high strike rates one year and like a pitch like a slider. And we don't know if it's really going to gain the next year. Traditionally, it does. From what I've seen, this is all anecdotal. Uh, I need to do more research on it. But I have a belief that uh, guys that are clumped when it comes to a slider down in gloves and missing too far out of the zone make the correction over time to get it more over the plate and to raise that strike rate. Um, We saw it with George Kirby, for example, this past year. So Bobby Miller, I think, is going to do that. It is a filthy offering really good curveball has had his change up as well there like it is just such a safe guy with such a high ceiling and what Mm -hmm. i've said in many years before is the one the guys that you should be targeting in your leagues are the ones who are 
ready to go every five days. You can go six innings, right? You, you can see 180 innings from them, 30 starts, six innings. You can see that. And they have a safety to them where you never feel like you're going to pull them out of your lineup. And they carry top 15 SP upside with strikeouts. They carry the ability to take one extra step and all of a sudden they're a stud. Those are the ones you want to go for. Like, obviously, Nick, well, you'd be surprised, but George Kirby wasn't inside the top 20 last year and he's someone who carried that, right? Uh, We've seen this before. Zach Wheeler, Sandy Alcantara, both outside the top 20 and carried the same exact thing, right? And that's why I was someone that was like, hey, maybe I should be going for those guys. Bobby Miller to me is exactly that. Um, And 100%, every single time I'll get Bobby Miller after Framber and Snell. Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, Grayson's very interesting too. I think there's some little tweaks he has to make still in consistency and he got it more so in the second half. But surprisingly, the fastball is not as unreal as I thought it was. And Yuri Perez is super, super fun. Um, needs to get the four-seamer higher too. Uh, and two amazing secondaries. But uh, I have a little worry that like he's not unleashed like Bobby Miller is. Mm-hmm. Um, so they might baby him a little bit more than Bobby Miller and it's not as good of a team. So I'm going to take Bobby Miller over Yuri uh, for that reason. I'm going to throw this back to somebody we talked about a couple battles ago. But are are you taking Noah over all three of these guys? Because I don't know that I can. Uh, Bobby Miller and Noah are very close. I haven't decided yet. This is my like, I have like two weeks, okay? <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I know. But that's, but that's where, yes, because that's where I'm at right now. I have these three guys and Aaron Noah all in a row. Yeah. And the fun part of me wants to put Noah at the end of them. Um, and I, the part I, of me that's wow. like wants to not like sell out only for upside thinks there's more safety in, in Noah to a certain extent. Um, there is. But, and Grayson, that, Grayson and Yuri, I think, are just too volatile, too, like, too I young. I just love, yeah. I don't, I, I mean, like, every single one of Yuri Perez's pitches had a double digit swing strike rate like yeah, the raw stuff is stupid yeah. and he's not there with command yet no but remember that like somebody with that level of raw stuff doesn't really need to command in the minors like i know they will work on it with him like obviously he, you know they're not like they obviously they are teaching him and they're trying to have him you know kind of like hit spots and they're working on like approach and all that sort of stuff but he also doesn't need to nibble against double A yeah. hitters, right? Tell he me. can just say, here's my fastball, hit it. Or, you know, maybe I'm ahead in the account. The slider is not perfectly located, but it gets a, it gets strikeout. So you then have his first taste of the majors. And we're seeing that the command is not where we would want it from like some upper ep- upper echelon pitcher. But I, I think it's really hard to make that adjustment. And that's why you see two things happen with young pitchers if they struggle. I mean, some, some come up and do great, but you see guys who are potentially too hittable from what we, well, the pitches are too hittable. They catch too much of the plate yeah. and we would like to see based on the, their stuff, them kind of like work the corners a little more, kind of go in, go East, West, go North, South, whatever it is. Or you see the guys that just nibble, 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 nibble because they get up and in their head, they're now like, ooh, these are major league hitters and they're not trusting their stuff as much. They're trying to just like not get hit hard. And so they're like really not just throwing it. They're just kind of like aiming their pitches. Um, And for me, 
I'd much rather have the pitcher who trusts his stuff and goes out and chucks and doesn't always hit the spots. And then as they get into their second year, their third year, whatever it is, learns to be a little bit more intentional about where they're placing certain things and learns that they can't just say, you know what, this is a really good pitch. And if you make contact with it, it's probably not going to be good contact. And they learn that like even bad contact at the major leagues can beat you. And so you have to be a little better with where you're approaching and how you're pitching, you know, you're where you're locating and how you're kind of setting up pitches. And that isn't to say like, that's why I would definitely take Yuri Perez over Bobby Miller. It's why I, it's why I think there's an argument for it because if that approach improves with Perez this year, added to his raw stuff, it's, it's a stupid combination. Well, yeah, no, no, I'm I'm not disagreeing. Um, command's a weird thing. I see a lot of videos of, you know, that come with like TrackMan stuff, and it's like, oh mm-hmm. man, look at this guy. You know, like, whoa, he's got he got a lot of good vert on that one, or a good sweep on this one, and I, it bothers me because I don't see two in a row in a good spot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I, so I watch these, and I'm like, that's nice, but like, you missed. That's not a strike, you know. Or and they're not trying to in a lot of them, but it's um, the emphasis of command and location. It's a weird thing, and some guys like are able to really lean into it and get it. Some take longer, and it's really hard for us to figure out when that clicks in. I uh, I I find it difficult to to bank on a draft pick on that happening. Um, I think it's already better for Bobby Miller than it is Yuri. Um, and that is going to give me the the push there. And considering that Nola's, we know this with Nola, and it's like my second starter. Uh, I want more stability with it. I I believe so much more in my ability in season to find something else to pad the the art the, the repertoire. Sorry, the um the staff rather. That I would much rather just have. Cool, I got Nola. Great, awesome, and let's build on this because I know I have good things here. While Yuri, he's going and there are going to be some growing pains. Um, and it would be so fun, you know, if it's fantasy baseball, you got to have fun and have the guys that you're so stoked to watch and everything. That's great. And you know what? I might do that too. Um, and with Grayson in the mix here too, also, I mean, that changeup was getting better. I still am waiting to see the changeup and the slider really destroy it with good low lock. Um, I think he relied a little too much on the fastball last year. So I'm a little worried about that. And there's an argument made that Senga is safer than Yuri. Uh, I got it. I actually do understand that one. Um, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I would rather go Yuri. That's way more fun for me. And yeah. also, I think you're going to get a ton of strikeouts from Yuri this year. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's really hard at this point to figure out command. And also, I mean, this is what I was going to say before was when I think of the Marlins, I don't, I mean, say for Jesus Lizardo, who does go upstairs a decent amount, there really isn't a high fastball guy on that squad. Yeah, that's and true. I wonder if Yuri will get that the that coaching or that that indication like, hey, go upstairs with us. You know? Um, I don't know. It might might be. I think actually Pablo was starting to lean into it a little bit before he got dealt. Sandy Alcantara kind of did. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, I don't I might be wish casting that he's going to do that. And uh I don't know. So I mean Bobby Miller to me is just like if you if you talk to Eno at at first pitch Arizona, there's one thing he would have told you was draft Bobby Miller. That's what he would have said said to you. And if he's listening to that, he's like, yeah, that's exactly what I said. Yeah. 
there's no better analysis than that. I mean, it's pretty it's simple. Cut yeah. right to the chase. Um, <laughs> we're, I know we just before we leave this tier, and I know understand. I understand that you're not done, but just a general range for Senga. Like you, you don't have him with these guys. How far beneath these guys do you have him? No, it's it's like Framber. Like it's that same area. Okay. Yeah. That's- I mean, I think I actually want Senga more than Framber because I want to believe in some way that I'm underrating the cutter uh, and that he's going to walk fewer batters than Framber and have like the same ICR. It's actually so a better whip. I want to hope, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. I think I, I have... I think that's about the same for me, depending on where I wind up moving Framber after our discussion. Um, for me, that's about 10 starting pitchers after this current, the other guys we're talking about. Right. Um, so it's, that's a big enough gap. It's actually after currently after all three of the guys in battle. Number five, um, we have Zach Eflin. ADP of 87, starting pitcher 25. Joe Ryan, ADP of 91, starting pitcher 26. And Kyle Bradish, ADP of 93, starting pitcher number 27. Uh, what is this grouping called? And is there anybody you're gravitating towards? From I mean, I guess it's like the Riddler because it doesn't make sense to me why they're below the third tier. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't know. I mean, it's Eflin, Ryan, and Bradish. So I can understand Joe Ryan like... Cool. It's a really good fastball. Uh, it needs to figure out, I think, something else. The splitter got strikes, but I don't know if it really was that good. It wasn't a whiff pitch. And seeing a splitter that isn't a whiff pitch is kind of suspect in my view. Um, so that's between Eflin and Bradish. And Eflin just did great. Eflin understood. So good. Great. What really impressed me about him was adding a cutter that just changed everything. It allowed his four-seamer, this four-seamer that has a terrible fastball shape, you look at it and go, oh, man, that's a terrible fastball. Well, what if you only throw it in two strike counts and upstairs, and all of a sudden it has like a 14% swing strike rate or something like that? Like, oh, cool, it worked. You found a way to take this mediocre, arguably just detrimental pitch and actually make it help you. Uh, that's how cool it was for Eflin. Amazing curveball. The cutter really, again, changed everything. He's got the thing that gets called strikes with. Like, good situation in Tampa. They need him to get innings. Mm-hmm. The only real pushback against Eflin is, yeah, he did too well, and that should come back down in some way. And he has an injury history. Whether we like it or not, he has one, and that's annoying. Um, I also will never get the idea that he is also just another version of Charlie Morin out of my head. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just they are ingrained, but Eflin improved, so whatever, get that out of my head. Um, I think I'm going to take him highest here. While I've warmed up to Kyle Bradish, and I'm trying to reach out to him <laughs> because I, I really firmly believe that like Bradish should be a uh, four seamer as as a cutter. Like it's not a four seamer. It's like Justin Seals or Max Freed's. Like these are not typical four seamers. These are ones with legitimate horizontal movement that go past. You know, they break the X wall, which is the zero on the X axis, and go over into into glove side movement. Um, so he should be using it like so, which means not against forcing uh, against righties, or if he is just do it down in a way that sets up the slider more. Mm-hmm. And you don't know if that's the four seamers trying to go down away, or then it's the, the slider instead. Uh, that slider is like the best pitch. I, I cannot express enough. It, I feel like I'm watching Corey Kluber's classic slider. When I watch this, that's, I think everyone can grasp that one, you know, 
And he gets so many strikes out of it. He should be throwing his curve more. He gets a lot of strikes mm-hmm. out. That was only like a 17% usage. And you should throw that more. It's great. So that's pretty cool. You have two amazing breaking balls. And then you have a four-seamer that you could say, oh, it's like the Guardian situation. Well, if you use it right, you could actually get value out of that too. And I think that should be an inside a lefty pitch. And then sinkers inside a righties. And bam, he is golden. Mm-hmm. But Nick, he just had a golden season. I know, I know. That was weird and should not really happen the same way again. But Brash is also a good situation. The Orioles are going to win a ton of games. Um, and whatever you want to say about the the rotation outside of Brash, when it's Brash on the hill, doesn't matter who the other starters are. Right. <laughs> he gets the wins. So... Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of Bradish, and I might be one of the higher guys on him entering this year. Uh, well, not according to your. Oh no, not the third. I was thirty or something yeah. in October, and then when I really went into him more, I was like, no, I'm wrong. I think actually yeah. when I was talking to you about that that ranking, I was like, yeah, no, I I'm wrong on Bradish here. Yeah. I gotta increase I, it. I think the fastball thing is interesting because he started throwing the sinker way more this year than he did in 2022 and then he started throwing the sinker way more in the second half of the year than he did in the first half of the year um to limit the use of the fastball yes and so like yes he could change the way he throws the four seam or he could not really throw it as much um which worked for him in the second half of the year not throwing it as much throwing the i still think that he could throw the curveball more um it doesn't yeah, with you. 17 usage pitch um but you know the the sinker allows um twenty nine percent hard contact thirty one point two percent ICR um so good so, so good he gets this inside of righties um, like do it. doesn't miss a lot of bats but also isn't awful I mean it's not it's not anything great but like eighteen eight point two percent swing strike rate on it in the second half of the year isn't atrocious if it's a sinker you know what I mean and yeah. your your slider and your curveball are the ones missing bats so for me he's got two good breaking balls and a fastball that I like and then a four seam fastball that potentially could be better than it currently is or he could just keep winnowing it down and adding the curveball more so there's like at least three pitches that I think do their job and do their job well um and the potential for for more so for me um yeah i mean i i think i i right now have bradish 20th and maybe it's too high but i also like look at the guys after him and i'm like okay eh, <laughs> like i don't i don't lo- like Logan Webb, Joe Ryan, Logan Gilbert, like Snell, like these are all guys for me that are like just after oh, yeah. that. I'm we like, didn't, we didn't talk about Webb because Webb is like getting massive, massive love. I mean, I I'm talk- I've, I've seen top 10 constantly. Yeah, he's not going that high based on ADP, but we can we can make that discussion later because I and when we did our initial rankings at the beginning in October, I was like, yeah. I had him like 11, 12 range um, and I've I've dropped him. Um, I had because I, I was leaning on the like, oh, the ratios. Yeah, that whole vibe. He's an interesting one. Yeah. Um. By the way, Bradish throws a four seamer backdoor like against lefties. He doesn't really understand what to do yet. He's like figuring this out because sliders get too much of the zone. 40 percent ICR against lefties last year. Like, no, no, no. Just get, just put that down in underneath the nitro zone right down and in the lefties curveballs inside the zone. And then four seamer should just be that cut inside 
Um, yeah. Surprisingly, actually, sinkers were the best performing pitch um, against lefties, if you can believe it or not. Um, 31% ICR. Uh, but I don't really expect that to hold. Small sample, all that. Um, but yeah, I, I think Brash is great. Joe Ryan, again, I worry too much about the secondary stuff. And the four yeah. team is cool, but I think he needs more support. So I'm I'm outed him more than the other two here. But and maybe that does improve. He goes to drive line, and maybe he'll figure that out. Uh, that's cool. Um, but about Logan Webb, I with Webb, it's fascinating to me because he's so changeup focused, and it's an incredible changeup. It's like the best one. It has all the good results. The slider, he he's just making it too sweepy, too far glove side. Maybe he does get that one back, but he's been trying to figure that out, changing grips and everything. Um, it's weird to me to be so so good with just that changeup. And I don't know. It's like you should not have a whip underneath that's like better than 110. Like you really shouldn't with that. He doesn't get enough strikes, I think, to say like you're going to be like a 4% strike, like walk guy rather. Mm-hmm. Um, but it works. Like this changeup clearly is so good that, okay, fine. Yeah, you can sneak so many more sinkers in there because everyone thinks it might be the changeup and then it doesn't fall out. And then there's your called strike. And like, this works to both sides of the plate. Um, so he's safe. <laughs> like, yeah. it, and maybe the slider actually does get better. And all of a sudden you even have that 25% plus strike every holding, right? Like that's pretty cool. Um, wins might be a little bit tougher, but he goes really deep into games. Like I get why he's been ranked so highly. There's an argument above Nola, but I don't, uh, that's going to be so hard for me to he's do. He's currently it's, going. And I, I guess he's currently going ADP 62, which is starting pitcher 17. So I left him out of the, the battle that had Framber, Snell, and Freed. And it's probably just because I wanted a bunch of lefties to fight each other. Yeah. Um, and so I left Webb out. But to me, like starting pitcher 17 isn't egregious for Webb. Um, I've had him, no, like I said, I had, yeah. I had him just outside of the top 10. Then I had him just inside of the top 20. Now he's hovering around 20. So like, I think that anything like 17 to, to 20 makes sense for web i think it depends on what you do with the young guys that we were just talking about it depends right. on your thoughts on yamamoto it depends on your thoughts on on bradish um and these are all guys you could you could flip around there i i just have i i have eflin currently over web and right now eflin is is going ben- below him it's this interesting thing with with eflin right now where the narrative on eflin for years was the raw talent is there. The curveball is great. If he only goes to an organization that can better utilize his pitch mix, he's going to have a great year. He went to Tampa. He had a great year. And everybody goes, ooh, everybody's drafting Eflin too high. <laughs> it's like he he did the thing that we all said he would do if he went to a good team. And now we're saying, oh, people are overrating him. It's like, no, we're, we're not actually. Like We would be overrating him if we said, oh, Eflin, and now he's going to repeat what he just did, and let's take him inside the top 15. He's not even going inside the top 25 starters right now. Yeah, I, th- like, I think it's, again, about the, the injury about question. About the injuries. Among, but again, yeah. we, go back, we go back to the same thing with the injuries, right? Like, yes he has some elevated injury risk. But all of the guys you're drafting in this tier have risk. Yeah, sure. I guess with the exception of, we just talked about like Logan Webb is pretty safe. Yeah, this sure. is... um. But but again, that narrative of safety, you know, you, your tweet started the whole thing off at the end of the year, but that narrative of safety is an illusion. Safety is an illusion. It's a, it's a societal yeah. construct. But no, but like safety <laughs> is, we can't, you can't rely on that. And yeah, if you, sure. Let's say you drafted Logan Webb over Zach Eflin. 
just for the idea that like the game more is your logic yeah. in a draft. I'm gonna yeah. I'm more likely to get a lot of innings from Webb. He's safer. Yep. F1 has an injury history, and then Logan Webb gets hurt early on because right. that it's pitching that can happen. Yes, then all of a sudden, your only argument for preferring Logan Webb to Zach Eflin is now thrown out the window totally because you went for safety that might not really exist. Sure. I, all, I mean, everything that, like, we do only could be everything that we do is but. like probabilities and then weighting the benefits yes. of those probabilities and everything. And that's, that's all this is, you know, uh, yeah. it's, it's incredibly hard. And I think actually the fun part here for me is the takeaway from us. All, all of us battling. Do we take this guy? Do we take that guy? What often happens is when it comes to be, you know, March, April, I do an AMA on Reddit every year. Um, I used to do them every Friday. I don't do them as frequently, but I always say, cool, like, you know, I'm here to help um, begin the year. And I see a lot of, hey, how's my how's my uh, staff looking? Yeah. And what I do is I say, do you have an SP1? Yes. Do you have an SP2? Yes. Do you have an SP3? Yes. Do you have an SP4? Great. You got it. Oh, you have an extra one or you don't, right? It's not, it, it, there's a lot of focus on like this guy or that guy. And for me, it's about, do, are you getting enough good things and then mm-hmm. also taking the right kinds of things at the end that uh, ha- allow you to adapt as the season goes on because yeah what might get hurt f might get hurt sale might survive i don't know maybe he has his scissors and he's the only one with scissors in the apocalypse he survives but uh, what i'm getting at is it, it's there's so much focus on that but it's just a sea of probabilities and yes. as long as you put yourself in a good enough situation that's what's most important so you know, I'm going to figure out at some point, okay, cool. It's really like the top 28 that I love this year. And that means, oh man, I don't need to go and get the ninth and the 11th one. I'm going to be then getting the 16th and the 18th and the 21th right. because first, because at that point in the draft, I hate the hitters. I yeah. don't want to get those. And that's yeah. really the value of all of this, right? It's, it's us kind of yeah. saying, okay, cool. You might have some biases about a guy. I have some biases on a guy. The listener, you guys all say, no, I really like this guy for that. Like, awesome. Go get that one. That's cool. That's great. But just understanding all the elements of these guys and the kind of risk that you're giving yourself and what you want to side with. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's funny. Like the fun, the fun ones that we have, I think the ADP paddles, we're going to do a second one of these because we got to do it for the next Deeper. 150 yeah, yeah. or something because oh, that's the real one to me right though it's i think what's funny is that i think there's more i think what what is illuminating about this exercise is also that because of the chaos at the top with no alcantara mcclanahan degrom scherzer woodruff whatever all just the yeah. list goes on and on you get to this point where i think from like 10 on or 12 on it's like there there are valid lists from people that i trust that will be pretty drastically different from other people who i think are smart and know what they're talking about because they're there's just not going to be consensus and so you're going to see people build rotations in really different ways and you're going to see people highlight pictures that other people are not highlighting and it's going to depend on one element that somebody is attracted to that somebody else is is not and they're is gonna be that it's and at the heart of all of it is gonna be risk and everybody having this uncertainty because there were fewer quote unquote certain options sure. among starting pitchers and where do where does the where do you lie right like where does your um where does your instinct 
like have you gravitate you toward? Tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a, are you a swing and miss guy? Are you a are you a banking on progress and development guy? Are you a you know are you Tony Gwynn or yeah Mark guy? McGuire? You know what I mean? Because that because it's true, right? There we we know people who are like, if I'm flipping a coin between starting pitching, I'm picking the guy who misses more bats. Or if I'm flipping a coin between starting pitching, I'm pitching I'm picking the guy with past results. Or if I'm flipping a coin between yeah, pick, between right, pitchers, right. I'm picking the guy who I think is more projectable, and that's going to determine what people rank in the middle. And there, there's no right or wrong. It's just where you, where you as a, an analyst or where you as a baseball fan gravitate yeah. towards. Um, I find myself gravitating towards strikeouts. I, I just think like if I think swing and miss stuff is hard to duplicate. Um, and we'll see if in my final rankings that happens to be the case. It's maybe it's the old person in me uh, as I get older, I'm 35. But Does you know, back, this is my right now. <laughs> this is my 10th year doing this, right? You're like maybe uh, it's the old and, person in me, but at an hour and 15 minutes <laughs> of this podcast, I need to get up and stretch. Wait, is this, actually, this is my 11th season. Um, because you know, I did the ranking stuff for 2014. Uh, so. But anyway, at the beginning, I was very much of like aggressive on like the fun, right? Like the super upside. I'm going to yeah. go for that. That's my thing. And I think over the years, I've really slowed down on it where um, I think really what highlights when we say, cool, there's like 25 or there's 30 guys. Last year was the aces of dubs. It was the same exact thing you were saying. Like there's so many people that are going to change. Where do we put Gallon? Where do we put Gosman? Where do we put Manoa? Where do we put McClanahan? Where do we put all these, right? Um, it was the top 22 guys. It was just all interchangeable. And I think it's a little bit longer this year. And what I've really, I'm leaning on is like, great, because we have such a larger pool of it, I'm going to take as many of them I feel have the highest chance of not being duds, right? Sure. That's like the biggest thing to me here because they all have skill sets. They all, every single one of these guys is going to have like a 24% plus strikeout rate. Like, I don't really think that there's one that name that we've mentioned that shouldn't. Uh, maybe you can make a case of like Framber or Webb, but honestly, their volume makes up for that because um, they were still expecting near 200 strikeouts. So like, actually, it's weird, like the totals versus the rates, right? So because of that, I it, it really is like, great. Who are the ones I just feel is going to be consistently better um, overall and sure there's might be a guy that's going to leap above them but how much of a leap is that um is it going to really change the whole pool like if i'm not the guy that gets that guy am i going to lose now and you realize a lot of time no that's not the case uh so i'm finding myself not really having to get that now you know me though is i'm the big upside guy what are you talking about nick you love this yeah that's like I like pick 45 and 50 and stuff because i'm confident that I can f- replace that. Mm-hmm. And the ones that you think are safe and good to get there are not nearly as safe as you think. Uh, and you're settling for too little. That's the whole thing here. Uh, so it is interesting. I get why then free is lower because like people perceive that as higher risk. You don't want to lose it like that because of the forum stuff that he had and he came back out of the blister, right? Um, that makes sense to me. Uh, Eflin, the injury history, whatever you want to say, it was always too good of a season. Okay, I get it. Um, it all it all makes sense of how people perceive that risk. Um, but anyway, we talked too long about this. This is all my <laughs> fault. And uh, we're going to do the last two because I'm going to make sure Eric sticks around for it. I would do it for the next three hours. But, you know, Eric's got 
important things. Um, so we're going to talk about two more ADP <laughs> battles after this break. The final two battles of the evening uh, will take us outside of the top 100 ADP now. Battle number six, we've got the lefties and the injured guys. We've got Justin Steele, uh, ADP 102, starting pitcher 28. We've got Walker Bueller, ADP 106, starting pitcher 29. Cole Reagans, ADP 110, starting pitcher 30. And Joe Musgrove, ADP 111, uh, starting pitcher 31 to totally upset Nick. I'll just say that uh, as of right now, I'm higher on Musgrove than any of the other pitchers in this battle. Yeah, that's the thing I am too. Okay. Uh, oh, what? I mean, it's really hard. It's just so funny. Like I just said this whole yeah. thing about risk. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take Reagan's. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Reagan's is so good. It's it's so difficult. Um, I, uh, <sighs> Reagan's is so good. Uh, it is interesting. I would say Bueller actually. Mm. But but the Dodgers are going to be so careful with him. Yes, and it's going to be just annoying, mm-hmm. and I hate annoying. But then all of a sudden he'll be on your team on like May fifteenth and like cruising, and everyone's going to be like, "Oh, I've, I've got Walker Bueller on my team. I'm the best," you know. And it's like, well, okay, but ah, it's just so annoying. Musgrove is just so consistently good. Um, I think he can do some better things across the arsenal, but like, he he's good, man. <laughs> Uh, and we were taking we were taking Musgrove inside the top twenty starting pitchers heading into last year. I mean, what was well, he was actually right at twenty two, twenty three. He was at, in like okay. the aces of dubs. He was right there. There's also we were no we knew about like the toe injury. Right. Remember at the beginning of the year, it dropped his ADP again. Yeah, it dropped the weight. He dropped the weight on his. his yeah. Uh, and uh, oh man, I saw a photo of that toe. Believe it or oh, not, I didn't, I didn't see that. No, that wasn't. That's not. Yeah, that's not a public thing. And like, and I don't need to. I uh, <laughs> and uh, that's a huge. You know, I uh, you know who you are who showed me that. So, and I, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's funny to me of like, yeah, Musgrove just had this weird season last year, and he's still just productive when he was there, there and around, and like he has the full arsenal, and there are things that he maybe he could do better at, but like it's pretty dang safe. Um, mm-hmm. and I think he's my favorite here. It's not Justin Steele. I Justin Steele to me it weirds me out. I know he got fatigued at the end of the year and that kind of messed up his s- September. Um, it was a really good five months before, but it's a two pitcher, two pitch pitcher who honestly I don't think has an elite slider. And it's like what? And then it's a four seamer that is a cutter. And he's a cutter slider guy. I I just don't get it. It, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I'm I'm I, I can't do this. <laughs> I mean, if ways can I say this? Like, uh, you know, um, no. <laughs> just it. no. Just no. Just, just no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, so Musgrove for me is, is my favorite. Um, I understand we don't have a lot to work with from last year, but I, I've been a fan in the past and I thought there was you know, growth and, and say both growth and safety, not growth like into being a top 10, 15 arm. But I thought there was upside that we weren't necessarily getting in those earlier seasons. Um, and I still think the team context is going to be pretty good. I understand they don't have Soto and I understand that, you know, the Padres fell on their faces last year. Um, I don't know that they're a World Series contender, but I think they're still a good baseball team where pitchers who pitch for the Padres will get wins. Um, 
I trust him a little more than I trust Bueller for the exact same things you were talking about before. And I think that Bueller's always had a, um, I know that you mentioned that there's his four seam isn't necessarily bad as much as maybe the usage of it isn't, isn't great. Um, but Mm -hmm. performance wise, he hasn't had a great four seam, um, in recent years, the swing and strike rates, the swing and miss was all trending down even before getting hurt. Um, I right now have Steele and Reagan's back to back, and the Nick Pollock like a, fan, like, sorry, like a Matthew Nick Pollock fan film? in me, what like what, like a McConaughey film? Yes, yeah. I I want to put all the lefties like the Frambers and Steels and Reagans is all just like back to back. But no, but th- there is there's a part of me that loves what what Cole Reagans did at the end of the year, um, and thinks clearly. He's a better option. Um, there's another part of me that says, how many wins is he really going to get? Um, is he is he as legitimate as what we saw? The velocity bump, you know, was pretty startling um, when he came over to the Royals. And, you know, does it stick? Probably, maybe. Um, added a slider, which was pretty good. Um, you know, what does that look like next year? You know, but Steele, the average PLV score is higher than Reagan's. Um, no, he, no, 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 ignore that. Well, I'm just <laughs> I, just forget about that. Um, the strikeout minus walk ratio was better. Um, you know, they're, they're, they, I go back and forth between the two. I will say that, like, I... There are people that I know who work in baseball who believed in Cole Reagan's before he had the opportunity to do this in Kansas City. And so that has me leaning towards him because there are people that I trust that said even before he left Texas, like there was there was something here. Um it was and 96 it, in that one game. It didn't have he, the opportunity. Four innings, and I remember writing about it and be like, guys, he's doing the thing. And I said, Well, he yeah. allowed four and runs. I'm like, okay, fine, never mind. There were a lot of there were there were and and he has talked about this openly too. So it's not until minor leagues in Kansas City, right? That's that that is true. Yes, Um, he's talked about this openly too. So it's not like you know, any uh, any sort of like inside baseball stuff, but like that he loves and emulates Cole Hamels. Yeah, Um, I mean, we we, yeah we've said this. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I I see it, and I know they've worked together. Um, That's cool. And so. Uh, yeah, I think that I, I think that I have to. I'm like, maybe I'm now moving. You better put Reagan above steel. I, I have him. I'm now debating whether I put him over like Framber and things like that. Um, yes. Well, and yes, and so we'll Just see. Do it. I look, I, guys. I know this. It's I a know list. That, Who cares? We're doing it. There it is. I'm. I know that all my affinity for Cole Reagan's all this kind of stuff. Look, I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to sleep easier picking uh like framber like you're gonna it's just safer uh i'm also gonna have more i'm gonna have more anxiety in my life if i put reagan's above framber because then i know every single start reagan's needs to prove himself to everybody and it's gonna be my life on the line you know even though i'm not throwing the ball okay i know this i've done this before i go at my put my neck out for a guy and i like who's more risky than someone else and he better pay off or something so, like, just take, I'm just saying right now, just take the safe one. It's everything that I, I said about before. I truly believe if you watch a Reagan start, 
Like I don't make those noises just because of embellishment for for the content, right, or something, right? Like that is me genuinely just in adoration of his pitch selection, the movements and the locations mm-hmm. of this stuff. And it was so real. Like it was so much of his success was real. Um and the fact that he, you know, has tread in his ear, I think is going to help him stave off the traditional Royals influence um, of that stat of the, like the lack of help that Reagan's would get by the Royals. Now, I, I don't know if he's going to be able to have the same command again, but hot dang, I just can't not do it with Reagan's. And also seeing the trade out likes video was really cool is that this vert was better. His, um, his IVB on his fastball was better. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty cool too. Um, and that's actually one of the bigger knocks I've had of like against him is he gets too much horizontal movement on it and it's not as good like missing above the bat. But where he locates it is good. It's just not this like 16% potential swing strike rate pitch because it just doesn't have enough IVB. But if he's adding that, oh gosh, I, I, it's just fun. For me, it's like I just yeah. want to have Cole Reagans because I just love the guy so much. And, and I'll I, go with I, that I, one. But the wise thing to do is to take something like Framber. And I do think that if we go back and, and dig into the slider even more that he added um, in August, so it was it was late in the year, um, and that becomes we we have a little more faith in that in that pitch. Um, I love what I saw from it. Um, then I think you're looking at multiple solid offerings in mid nineties, ninety six from the left side. Um, that gets decent swing and miss on the on the four seam as well. Um, and yeah, the team context may limit him, but wins are so hard anyway. Like I, I try not. I obviously factor in wins because there it is a fantasy category, and you need yeah. to. Um, but <clears throat> you know the difference between somebody winning nine games and twelve games is yeah. so hard to predict. It could be yeah. the mo- the most minuscule thing ever. And one um, element I really do want to emphasize is. Wins for a team is often about the entire rotation. So the entire rotation is not going to give wins for the Royals. Right. But if you just look at one pitcher, the Cole Reagans, that offense is getting better for the Royals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like a death sentence for him. Right. As a whole, the Royals should not win a lot of games. But when Reagans is on the hill, like he has a decent offering. He has a decent shot at a win. So I also sure. want to push him a ton, apparently. <laughs> a little too much in games. So there's that too. We'll see. I, yeah, you talk yourself into the idea that, like, then he's got Nick Anderson and Will Smith to close out games, and maybe they can, you know, get more wins than last year. Who, yeah. Who, okay. Uh, who? What we got in the last? Okay. What was the? Uh, did I give a? I don't think I oh, gave. Oh shoot! A villain we did. Here. What is? What was the name of this tier? What villain? Oh no! We um, talked about Logan Lex, Webb so Lex long Luther. that I just bl- I blacked out. This is Lex Luthor because uh, you're trying to construct the right answer, and like he's trying to defeat the thing that is like the consistency of Superman and you're trying to beat it with other stuff. Okay. Not really. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Let's move it's on okay. to the next one. Uh, we'll blame me for that. <laughs> oh I didn't God. get it. I didn't get it early, uh, but you're going to, you're going to redeem yourself here. I, I, Am I full faith just when I thought you couldn't get any dumber. You don't do this and totally redeem yourself yeah. um, with battle. Number seven, the final battle of the evening. Uh, Chris Bassett, ADP 135, starting pitcher 36. Hunter Green, 
ADP 137, starting pitcher 37. Jordan Montgomery, ADP 144, starting pitcher 38. And Michael King, ADP 150, starting pitcher number 39. Uh, what is the name of this group and who are you gravitating towards? This one is Scar because no one wanted to do anything with him. That's it's that simple, guys. Like they just ignored it. They didn't want to deal with the. Well, problem. I mean, Scar is upset. You know, it's Hamlet, of course. But like, yeah, of course, he felt like no one wanted anything to do with him. Mm. And I don't want to do anything with these guys. Uh, Dora Montgomery. It's so fascinating to me. I think you're on the same page with me about this. Just the the helium, <laughs> yes, uh, of like a month. That will do of a guy that is a Toby that has been a Toby. I have him like this. I have him sixtieth right now. <laughs> I had him like around well, there, something like but that. Like, but yeah, he's it's fine. He's like he's part of the the next tier of just hey, like Eduardo Rodriguez and Jordan Montgomery. Honestly, are not very different to me. You know? sure. sure, and it's so I'm not really that interested. Uh, Hunter Green is is the poster child for me of wherever the end is of. The solid four. Like he's like, okay, cool. Now you're looking for upside. I got you. I got a guy. Okay. His name is Hunter Green. He doesn't know how to command things. Uh, his fastball, his terrible extension, which makes this pitch a lot worse than you want it to be at such high heat. But it's the slider is so good. And he's two pitches. But yeah, oh, I know, I know. I, I was hoping you weren't going to bring up the whole Cincinnati thing. Uh, not good. I get it. I, I know home runs are going to be a problem. Okay, you're going to have to deal with that. But the strikeouts, let me show you. Don't forget, the strikeouts are over here. Right, that's under green. I don't really think he's going to break out of it. He's going to have pockets where it's like the Robbie Ray thing of old, of like six months of just the greatest thing ever. and then, Or sorry, six weeks of the greatest thing ever. And then, oh, never mind. And Michael King. You know, I got to say, I like Michael King the most. For sure. I was going to say the same thing. I think it's because I can understand how this works faster than the other two. Like Jordan Montgomery, I just don't think he's going to be like the next Framber Valdez, Logan Webb. Like, no, he's not going to be that 24% K rate. But hold on, it comes with 190 innings and a brilliant and brilliant ratios and it goes long enough to get like 200 strikeouts in a year. No, no, that's not going to be Jordan Montgomery. So Michael King at least has a slider that got better and is filthy. I mean, this is, oh, this is filthy. Okay. Uh, a changeup that can be really good. And a sinker that does exactly what's supposed to do against right-handers. That works for me. Now, lefties are going to be a little bit more of an issue. Let's see how he works in the four-seamer. If there's something else that he can add, maybe the changeup wakes up more. Maybe he just goes... It's kind of a sweeper with the slider, which I doesn't want to go But uh, that's the biggest areas of how he's going to figure out left-handers. But to me, it makes the most sense. And I think San Diego is a good situation. I think they've got a good head on their shoulders over there. Uh, yeah, give me give me Michael King. And if it's just floundering, then great. I can move on from that one faster. Green's going to go up and down. Montgomery is going to be like, oh, right. I guess I got him. Like, you're never going to be excited that Jordan Montgomery is pitching today. You're you're not. You're going to be thrilled that it's Michael King. But Jordan Montgomery, like, oh, I guess I have Montgomery. Okay. That's it. I, life, I don't. I, th- I really thought that we'd get more of a bump from Michael King than we currently are because of the way he ended last season and him being clearly locked into a rotation spot in San Diego, I thought that he'd be going significantly higher uh, than starting pitcher 39. I actually currently have him starting pitcher 36 
Um, oh, and I felt like so I was never. <laughs> so he's going to be like locked in your four the entire year. He he could be my SP4 for sure. Well, I mean, like, I mean, at 36 to me, that's like, sorry, to, I keep interrupting you. That's the end of SP3, start of SP4. Yes, but I have people ranked ahead of him who we haven't talked about yet, including like two young pitchers on the Mariners and one young pitcher on the Rays. Oh, yeah, I have Brian, and, yeah, Brian Wu so, and, uh, and Bryce Miller, sure. And Bryce Miller and Shane Baz, um, yeah, Baz. Sure, Shane um, Boss. So, oh, Shane Boss. Oh, man. So there, there are people like that where it's like, so sure, Michael King is my four, unless one of those guys is my four. Um, and right, then, right. You know. I, I so see. I'm worried about this, how it falls like, out. All of those yeah. that you just mentioned, are they? Can I trust them to be inside my four starters that like I don't drop through the year? I, I think so. I don't. I think so too. But. After that, it's like that's where you're getting weird with like, sure, Sonny Gray, Bailey Ober, Hunter oh. Green, Hunter Brown, Verlander. Sonny know. Gray and Bailey Ober, I think, are safer. I think they're safer for sure. Um, I maybe like the upside more of Wu, Boz, and Miller, and that's where like when I finalize the list, it's okay. Yeah. Where does does the does the upside go higher? And also, this is where like in the course of a draft you pivot where like sure i may rank woo and shane Boz and miller higher than sunny gray and bailey ober i like sunny gray and bailey ober so if i feel like my top three arms are perhaps a little riskier than i might want i might go with gray or ober if i feel like i crushed my top three arms and i feel really good about it I may swing for the fences with Wu or Miller and say that if they hit, this rotation is great. Um, but I, I'm low on Montgomery for the same reasons that you are. Um, I'm shocked he's still going this high. I'm shocked that people on Twitter are talking about him in real baseball terms. Like if their team just signs him, they're going to be drastically better. Um, you know, a 15.2% K minus walk rate, 11.4% swing and strike rate. 29% CSW. He had a, a negative 22 um, hit luck, um, which is wild. Uh, he got incredibly fortunate with his hits, which is also why he had a 425. Part of the reason why he had a 425 Sierra. And it's also the same reason why, like, I understand. And this is, I will, it, you got to admit to your biases sometimes. And I have one against Chris Bassett. We're like, I understand that he's he's safe and he produces, um, but like everything about him as a pitcher for me is just like I I can't do it when there are yeah. other guys I like more like going this in this range inside the top 40. Like, first of all, the P PLV does not like his arsenal. Um, he threw more bad pitches last year than he threw quality pitches. 15.4%. K minus walk rate is below average. 9.4% swing strike rate is well below average. 424, 425, sorry, Sierra. He has a 34.4% .4 ICR. He does not give up a lot of hard contact. And that's where a lot of his surface level stats come from. He's not missing bats. He's not really throwing good pitches based on rating systems that rank how, how successful the pitches are but they're pitches that are inducing weak contact and he's getting outs. 
I, I just think it at some point that explodes. Um, yeah. and you get a you get a starting pitcher you can't roster. I don't know if it's going to be this year, but I'm just going to take Michael King over him because I just think I like what I could possibly get from Michael King over what I'm going to get from Bassett. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, Bassett is so safe though, Eric. Until he's not. I mean, yes, I, I get it. That's why I'm, I'm saying I'm 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 admitting the bias. Because I understand that, like, he's just not the type of pitcher that I, that I. Oh yeah, he's so so. I came up with Toby and Hollies, and Hollies are like Toby's are twenty percent strikeout rates and under for the most part, and Hollies are closer to twenty five percent. And Bassett's been there, been like twenty three mm-hmm. plus. Um, and it's pretty awesome, like how many uh, called strikes he gets on a sinker, and he just does it better than anyone in the majors. Yeah. It's because he has so many offerings, and then just guys don't know yes. uh, how it's going to work. And it seems it seems so boring. And then it's just, yeah. I mean, I, I think it really just comes down to team construction. Of I know that sounds like such a cop out, but also trust yourself as a manager. It's the, it's the reality. It comes down. Um, to team, it comes down to team construction, and it comes down to your your gut, your preference, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when when I interviewed Eno last year uh, on the Catcher's Corner podcast, he pointed out that like historically speaking pitchers with five or more pitches tend to defy any sort of stuff plus you know metrics or things like that um and i and so i get it with bassett um you know listen last two years are the only two years he's ever thrown over 160 innings um so yes he's safe but there was not that kind of security in his innings for a lot of his career prior to the 2020 season. Um, not that that, not that that really means anything. It's just saying that like we have this idea of him being a long tenured safe pitcher, which is not entirely valid. Right. Um, fastball velocity dropped a mile per hour last year. Uh, he'll be 35 years old. So I don't think he's going to gain back velocity. Could he lose even more velocity? Hundred percent could. Um, does that make the tightrope walk dance of inducing that kind of weak contact even harder? Absolutely does. Um, has consistently sported really low babibs, which is it is something that you know at this point, like it's something he does and doesn't give up a lot of home runs. The park changes in Toronto certainly benefited that. I I get all of it, um, and I don't begrudge people who take. Bassett because there's a chance that he puts up another mid threes ERA and gets 14, 15, 16 wins on a, on a good team. And you're happy about it. Um, there's also a chance that at 35 years old, he's no longer as good at inducing yeah. contact yeah. and he's a yeah. 4.3 ERA pitcher who doesn't strike guys out. Yeah, it's possible. It's all possible here on, on the corner in the fantasy baseball world in 2024. Yes. Uh, we're excited. I know we were thinking about doing the con- the uh, the prospects this week. I said, you might know, want one more week as I'm still finishing up all the rotation stuff. I am so backed up on all of it, and it's driving me absolutely bonkers and up the wall. But I'm going to get it done because I always find a way to get it done. I'll get it done before mm-hmm. PitchCon. And uh, yeah, that's just how it's going to be. And then all of a sudden, it's going to be the launch. PLX will be here February 6th. My gosh. That is the 10th launch of Pitch Fun. 
We skipped nine. The- Everyone's wondering that one. I've gotten that one already. Like, wait, what happened to PLN nine, Nick? Yeah. Every tech company skips nine. Okay, Windows nine does not exist. Also, Apple iPhone PLX. nine does not exist. PLX just makes sense. PLX sounds good. All right, we're going straight to yeah. it. It's also the tenth year technically of PetroList, and uh, it's our real ten year anniversary. So uh, there you go. Um, so we said we weren't going to talk about all these pictures, and we talked for an hour and forty five minutes. So. Yeah, of course we did. Hopefully, everybody we out there. You said that. I'm like, what are you talking? Like, yes, we are. <laughs> Hopefully, the tens of you that are still here after an hour no, and forty five no. minutes. Uh, so many. No, but, thank you. Uh, but hopefully, uh, everybody found this useful. Um, even if you're, you know, you disagree on some of these like battles we talked about. Again, uh, the idea is to kind of just like have continued conversations, sharing thoughts and ideas on pictures, and understanding that like your your takeaway may be different than ours. The, the pictures type that you prefer may be different, um, and it's important just to have full, complete pit pictures of these pictures in order to hey. really identify where we want to go in drafts. Um, so as Nick said, we'll probably, we'll try to do this again with the later round guys um, or the end of draft type of arms. We've got prospects coming up. Um, We've got my top 100 in a couple of weeks. We've got um, starting pitchers that Nick and I feel like are kind of like our guys, guys, we've got a roster. Um, And so uh, Jordan Montgomery will not appear in that episode. I don't think it's safe. I think it's safe to say. Uh, Mm -mm. And so, yeah, a lot of content. A lot of content Can't wait. so much we're going to talk about so, all these guys like 10 times over it's gonna be great now yeah uh, hopefully we remember everything we said about it. but yeah um i think that's gonna do it today eric. that is that is gonna do it um i am the pelican eric smolsky i am nick pollock the lion uh and i'm gonna go watch some of these uh animated villains and then uh, we're gonna check you out next week on the court